It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. What's up, everybody? This is Adam. Thank you for joining the Change Creator Podcast show. Um, We are going to be having a threesome today. Um, I know that sounds funny, but what I'm actually saying is we're going to be talking to two people. Um, Their names are Lee and Griff, and they were Army Rangers with several Afghanistan tours. Um, And that is actually how they got their idea. And we're going to tap into just how that happened. But um, it is their business is called Combat Flip Flops. Not only is it a super cool business that is driving impact, um, they were also on Shark Tank and got lots of good feedback. So we're going to tap into that as well. Uh, but every pair of flip flops they sell, they put an Afghan girl into school. And uh, with some of their other products, they are clearing three square meters of unexploded ordnance um, from a region that got rocked by long term war. So they're doing some really cool stuff. And we're going to just see how they came up with these ideas, what their strategies are what their visions are and where they're going with it all um, and see what we can learn from them. These guys are super cool. um, So hopefully you will enjoy this conversation. Um, just one more update as a reminder this July we are rolling out the magazine on a new platform again this is going to be a better reading experience it's going to be across all devices including desktops so you're going to want to go to changecreatormag.com and you're going to find the opportunity there to get your subscription and you'll have access across all devices now on mobile phones the reading experience will be enhanced and then of course like I said the desktop experience so guys keep an eye out. Um, it's going to be awesome. We're really, really pumped up about it. Again, thank you for all your incredible feedback. Um, we couldn't make the the changes that were necessary without that feedback. It's this all uh, great collaboration with everybody. Um, and guys, you know, we're right now, if you stop by the site too, just a heads up, we're going to be rolling out more and more opportunities for you to contribute. If you have ideas, you have stories, you have a business, um, whatever it might be, we want to hear from you. You can write for the magazine. You can write for the website. Um, share your ideas. Get published. Um, just stop by. We have an opportunity for you to pitch us, and we will get back to you. Um, anybody that does get accepted and contributes an original article, we're going to go ahead and give you a free subscription to the magazine. Um, so some really cool stuff going on there. Uh, so keep an eye out for that campaign. We're going to start rolling it out a little bit more. Um, all right, guys, that's it. Stop by the stores. Give us a review. We look forward to your feedback and uh, the ratings. Uh, it helps us keep these things going. So let's jump into it with Lee and Griff. I know you're going to dig this. Lee, Griff, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, my pleasure. It's an honor to talk to you guys. You guys are TV celebrities, and um, I'm excited to hear about your business and how you are uh, making out these days. Um, I love the idea of what you're doing, um, and it looks like you're doing well. So um, I always like to kick things off a little background, so if you don't mind just telling everybody, um, you know, what were you doing before uh, combat flip flops? And um, take us to that point where you had your your aha moment of uh, why you started this. Why is this important to you? Um, Griff and I served with Second Ranger Battalion, Seventy Fifth Ranger Regiment. Um, for, I was there from O two to O five. Uh, Griff was there from O three to O six. 
Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Want to talk about the aha moment, Griff? Yeah, so I, I was, uh, after I departed the military, I was working for a company that was putting in medical clinics in developing nations, and everywhere I went, I saw entrepreneurs making an honest difference in, in communities that needed help, mm-hmm. and I was in a combat boot factory in Kabul, Afghanistan, watching 300 people go to work making combat boots and thought they needed jobs after the war ends, and uh, I was just in the, in the factory, and I looked over on a table, and there was a combat sole, combat boot sole with a flip-flop thong in it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was ugly and cool, and it'd be a commercial product that Americans would buy uh, to keep you know keep our nations working together. And I walked out of the factory. I called Lee, and I said, "Hey, get on GoDaddy, register the domain name, Combat Flip Flops, go." Just like that. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. So that's cool. So you had your inspiration, uh, and it sounds like you had inspiration. I mean, you can kind of relate that to the fact that you were traveling abroad, right? I mean, it was because you were out there in this other environment. You had that experience. Is that fair? I would say that is completely fair to say. Yeah, it's funny because I I think it's got to be 80 to 90% of the people I talk to who are doing cool stuff like you. Um, it's always because of a travel experience. They're out there, they're in the environment, and it's like a sensory overload or something. But it jolts people and it gives them ideas and they just get, get this inspiration, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, the, for some reason, the line of if, if you do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. You'll get what you always got. Right. If you're at home and you're and you're not traveling around, if you're not having new experiences, you likely will get that light light bulb moment. But if you're out in the world and you're experiencing new things, you might you might end up with something new. Exactly. I love it. Well put. Um, so, all right, you got this idea. You get the domain. Uh, what was next? Like, how did you start? Did you dive into creating a business model? How did you start manifesting the business? <laughs> <laughs> I guess there was no business model. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the first thing you want to know is if people actually want your product. Uh-huh. Right? There's no sense in going around and putting together fancy pieces of paper and going and raising money if nobody actually wants your stuff. Yep. Uh, and this is, you know, right when Facebook was kind of getting cool and it was still, you know, not pay to play and you could reach lots of people for a minimal cost. And so we just you know, came up with some cool sketch items and, you know, some graphics and some concepts and designs to be sure with friends and family and people that we were connected with. And they go, yeah, dude, that's a great idea. I'd buy that, which is what we kept setting benchmarks for ourselves for go, no go status. And people kept wanting more and more and more. And it turned out, you know, we, we ended up selling a, a boat and a motorhome and a motorcycle and coming up with some cash and finding some guys to prototype some footwear for us. And uh, our third partner, Andy, he just helped design them. Yeah. And we ended up with a duffel bag full of flip-flops and went to a trade show. I mean, literally, we, we lead built our website the night before the trade show. <laughs> it, literally, we called him. We're like, we're going to go to this trade show. He's like, when is it? We're like, tomorrow. And he's like, you guys suck. <laughs> and so he built us a really super clean website. And we just went to a trade show with literally no business model. All we had was a website and a merchant account and a bank account. Yeah, yeah. And we found some bloggers we shed them our stuff they took photos of it with their phones they posted it on the internet and we sold thousands of pairs of flip-flops so part of that nope. though is you had a story behind it it wasn't like here's this flip-flop it's it, you, it was part of what they're interested in the actual here's why we're doing this so was there a story behind it at that point or was it just we have these flip-flops cool and they really need to have jobs and that's what's going to solve the problems and here you have a, a bunch of fellow veterans who are coming in and saying, hey, we're going to start by giving them jobs and then that's going to fund education. And our community immediately latched onto it and said, we want to support that. Very cool. And, and that's 
Great, great. So, okay, so you validated the idea. You got out there, showed people. They they were into the uh, the story. They were into the product. Um, so, and it sounds like you know when you hear that kind of story. If I was someone, I'd be like, I love the idea of bringing jobs to people. I love the idea of putting uh, kids in school. I mean, it's a it's a total win win. So. I guess it sounds like, you know, when you have a cause behind something, um, it helps with, I guess, receptivity towards what you're doing. Agreed. Yeah. So when, when does um, your, I guess, presence on Shark Tank take place in, in this journey? When, when did that happen and how did it, what, what, I guess, encouraged you to do that? Um, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> Griff, Griff had, uh, had, had flown to LA. I, I'm in LA and Griff's in Washington. So, um, Griff flew down, flew down to LA. Um, we had, we had a couple meetings set up. Um, and the last meeting we had was actually an interview with Gizmodo. Mm. And it was interesting. I mean, we had, we had a, we had a really long day that day. And, and I was, I was like, do we really got to do this? And Griff was like, yeah, dude, come on, let's go. We'll have a couple beers and we'll do this interview. Okay. Well, that interview was probably the best interview that anybody had ever done with us. <laughs> um, up and no, I mean, and I say that because, you know, the biggest problem with a company like ours is being able to tell our story Um you know, in a way that people understand it. Yes. And this, this great guy named, named Wes Seiler, he, um, he did this, he did this interview. And again, it was, I was trying to get out of it, but we got there and we, you know, we just got engaged and we just, you know, we went and the, the finished product was, was a really great product. It was a very, very good interview. And, and it explained who we are and what we did better than we've been able to explain it in writing. Um, <laughs> How did you come across this person, Wes? Like, were you looking for someone to help you with branding and narrative? Like, what was the, how did that set up? Uh, we had a person helping us with, with public relations. Oh, okay. You got a and, and she knew him to be in the outside industry, kind of, you know, into cars and yoga and shooting and guns and hunting and all the same kind of stuff we're into. Mm -hmm. And so she thought it would be a natural fit. So she just kept harassing him via email until he agreed <laughs> to have a meeting with us. And, and so what what made the meeting so great? He, he basically helped you, um, I guess, get clarity on the narrative. No, not at all. I mean, to be honest, what Lee said was right. We were dead tired. We had a couple of beers. We were sitting in a bar that was too loud to really have a good interview. Mm. And he set his phone down on the counter and we just had a natural discussion. Mm. And he was just asking us questions and we were answering candidly. And he's like, all right, I got to go. I'm off to Vegas. I'm going to go party with Billy Idol. <laughs> and, and Lee and I are both thinking like, that's the last time we're ever going to see you. And four days later, uh, our website started crashing for about 96 hours off and on because he sent so much traffic and his ability to just hear what we were doing and articulate it in a way that people agreed with. And then discussions that came out of it was, uh, it was refreshing. It was great. I mean, and it, it, uh, got a producer from shark tank to read the article. Uh, he read it. Gotcha. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So then uh, he reads the article and a couple months later, he just got on his task list and he calls me like a Tuesday at 11 o'clock and, uh, and I, I answered the phone and I, I didn't know I let it go to voicemail and then I, I listened to the voicemail and says hey my name's Max I'm from Shark Tank we'd like you to be on the show we read your article in Gizmodo it's pretty cool so I think it's a prank you know I call him back and <laughs> legit you know he's he's the real deal he's a producer for Shark Tank he's even got an IMDB account and uh, and you know he says hey we'd like you to apply you know it's a very cool story I like you guys got a cool vibe and you know Lee and I and Andy 
you know, I disagreed. I was like, I don't want to go on the show. And, and they told me I was crazy because I hadn't really thought about it, but it's a chance to share our message with 11 million people. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, we, we, we asked him if he was high. We didn't tell him he was crazy. <laughs> the, the, it, it, it was, it was a dead stare. And the next words that came out of our mouths were like, are you high? Yeah. How high are you right now? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, 11 million people um, don't want to miss that opportunity. Win or not on that show, it don't matter. <laughs> so, okay, how nervous were you to walk to the doors and uh, talk in front of these sharks? Um, yeah. You know, to be honest, yeah, I think the the I think personally just getting through the through the uh through the fir- through the pitch i was a little nervous um but i got it together fairly quickly um mm-hmm. but i have to say we have to say this leading up to going walking into that room the amount of of train up that we did um you know it, it, i think that uh i think that put us at ease because i mean if you've seen the episode um fairly quickly yeah. griff goes into like like just like fucking range sorry i don't know if i Right. Yeah, yeah, Griff goes in this fucking ranger kill kill mode, and he he you know he settles in very quickly, and and it was very you know very apparent that <laughs> the train up that we did. No, I mean honestly, we yeah. we you know Griff likes to say that we approached it like we were going to do a ra- we were we were hitting a ranger objective, and before you hit a ranger object- objective, there's so much train up, so many dry fires, so many you know uh, walkthroughs on you know what the what the objective will look like, and and you have so much information that when you get there. It's like you've been there a hundred times already. Exactly. You just got to do it one more time. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was right down to where we had watched the episodes. We timed how long it took from when they came through the door and they got to their, their positions. Yep. Um, it, it was all of that. We figured all of that. And, you know, we just, we, we, we did that much work. How many hours do you think we put into it? Or days? I mean, how many days do you think we yeah, put into it? Yeah, it had to have been like, you know, hundreds of hours into it between the research and the rehearsals and everything else it was we dropped everything we were doing commercially yeah absolutely. and we solely focused on it yeah, yeah yeah well it went well the show was good yeah so um you know the i guess the the, the butterfly factor the nervous factor it didn't last very long i, I mean it it maybe the first 10 15 seconds yeah, yeah well planning and preparation i mean i guess that's that's uh, if you can master that part the uh, nervous stuff goes away once you're up there just like you said you've done it's like you did it a thousand times you just got to do it one more time <laughs> hmm. so well, i think the thing is too is like we really enjoy business we just yeah. like it, it yeah. it's fun for us uh-huh. and the, you know business is really coming down to the fundamentals if you know your sales forecast your margins and your your profit and loss and where you're making money and where you're losing it you can have a business discussion between a thousand air to a billionaire right 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 that was, and then in that case we were thousand airs and they were billionaires and <laughs> we made it happen <laughs> exactly <laughs> and so how did things change after you had that experience um after uh, the Shark Tank effect is real, uh, you always hear them say it uh, on Shark Tank. The Shark Tank effect, yeah, um, that is definitely real. I, um, you know, the numbers we saw come through um, our website that night were were amazing. Um, <laughs> were amazing, and um, the 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 residual traffic we saw um, over the the f- I'd say maybe five days after that were also pretty pretty goddamn good yeah um but you know there was still a steady flow of traffic for months after that um and 
so the effect i mean obviously there's there's a monetary effect or, or you know there's mm-hmm. there's there's cash coming in but um for us as a company um you know when you go from doing you know a few a uh, hundred and something thousand dollars in sales the year before and then you know you, you go in and you're you're crushing it at a big boy level of business yeah. um it you know we got a lot of learnings last year we you know and, and any business that that goes from zero to a thousand miles an hour you uh you get those learnings and you know you, you got to take everything in trend it out and make sure you know what's coming in so that way next year or sorry make sure you know what's going out so next year you know which would be you know 2017 for us um you know, you're prepped and you're, you're just, you're, you're using those learnings to grow the company. And that's, and that's what we've been able to do based on what we've learned, um, through the, through the year that Shark Tank aired. What, what's one learning that stands out that you feel is a big takeaway? Don't spill a beer on your laptop the night Shark Tank's airing. <laughs> Don't tell no, me he was, No, we were, we were literally 30 seconds from going on air and he was driving all of the direct response, the marketing and the numbers and the campaign and watching the servers. And then he spilled a beautiful craft beer right into his brand new, I wouldn't wow. say brand new, but like <laughs> pretty fresh uh, iPad or iMac Pro or Mac. Macro, Pro. Macro, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the takeaway. Don't spill beer on your on your machine when you're about to have the biggest uh, media event of your life. So, did that actually impact anything, or was that uh, not so big a deal at the end of the day? At the end of the day, you know, well, all right, for, for us, I mean, we, you know, we go, we went into, again, we went into, into Ranger mode and we had like a full on operation center set up, you know, we had like an op center set up, a, a, a talk and, you know, everything's running. We're making sure nothing's exploding. Everything's running as it should be. And, and, yeah, yeah. you know, you want to watch that stuff. So when you're, when your laptop gets nuked and then the IT guy comes in and hands you a, uh, kind of a, a, a low powered, you know, yeah. standard windows based machine. And, and the amount of traffic coming in through Google analytics, the real time feed crashes a computer. You, you know, that's, that's a little that's scary. scary. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. <coughs> but, but we got through it. I mean, we, you know, we planned, we planned for, for the airing, um, as soon as Griff and I walked out of the tank and we, we, you know, everything sunk in, I think that week is when, when I started migrating us to our current, uh, e-com platform, um, in preparation for the shark tank launch. So a lot of the systems and, and the processes we built out, um, to avoid, you know, getting, getting, you know, getting our servers destroyed, everything was in place. I mean, even when, when we were going through the, 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 the technology due diligence, um, you know, with, with Mark's team, you know, they, they just, they pretty much said like, dude, you guys could have, you guys could have launched, you know, months ago and you would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was because, you know, our team, you know, our team, me, Griff and Andy, we, we went through things and we made sure that we were going to take advantage, you know, of this blessing. We were going to take full advantage of everything that came in and, yeah. and, um, and do it right. Yeah. Yeah. How, I guess I'm curious how you guys collaborate. Um, you know, you have solopreneurs, people who start things on their own, but you guys have started together. Um, how valuable is that? How do you guys, how did you divide things up and work together as, as uh, partners? Uh, I think we all know our strengths. Like I'm good at networking and, and you know, coming up with an idea and developing a plan. Lee's good at making it look good in the artwork and making sure the artwork creates revenue, Yeah, uh, which is different for a lot of art, artist guys. And then Andy, our brother, um, or my brother, uh, our third business partner, 
he's a operational guru. So the guy's a, a savant. And, uh, his nickname's the Wookie, and so yeah, he runs the fastest hunk of junk in the flip flop galaxy. So he'd be he like, <laughs> <laughs> our company's like the Millennium Falcon. He's just usually down in the basement banging on stuff, making it work. So <laughs> yeah, it's like it comes in handy to have someone like that around for sure. Yeah. yeah, there's an oh, there's a there's you know there's there's a certain amount of overlap you know when you have when you have three partners that are as as uh, as knee deep in their company as we are you know a lot of a lot of people once they they taste some success they'll start growing their company at an unsustainable rate you know they they'll put all these people in place to do things but you know we we understand and and and, uh, and we know that for our business to be successful like we really need to be we need to be in you know knee deep in it getting really dirty um you know that's that's why like a lot of this a lot of the stuff that that Andy is doing you know affects affects a big chunk of the business not just because he's doing production but because he also you know he, he helps figure out the numbers and you know helps get our our shipping rates optimized and you know inbound and outbound and you know just just all kinds of random things but um you know that's that's i think that's the most important part about um uh, about you know a, a startup i don't even know if we'd be called a startup now but a startup is is just knowing your business from you know soup to nuts and a lot of the a lot of the the learnings we took you know, and and just being a very very dirty in our business, we, you know, we've been very good at um, um, our projections and our forecasts and all this stuff. Like we, you know, what we thought we would do this year, we're we're doing it, if if yeah. not exceeding it, based well, on the learnings, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and knowing those numbers, you know, I tell people that all the time. Like you have to have some idea of where you're going, what the numbers should look like. You know, based on any historical data or even hypotheses at the time. If you don't, if you don't have a lot of historical data, but um, to your point, um, I've read books from everywhere, anything from the autobiography of Gandhi to business books, where they say how important it is to know your money, like organ- stay organized and manage your money, um, those types of things. So that's an interesting talking point. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm curious. You guys mentioned you had a PR team, which is who hooked you up with Wes at Gizmodo. Um, at what point, what, like, was that where you said, hey, um, you know, let's get a PR team on board. And I guess it sounds like that became obviously a good decision for you. Cause I hear a lot of startups who they get, you know, including myself, I pulled in a PR team, but it was too early. It was a lot of money, little return and just didn't make sense. So when was it in your, in your lifeline that you did that? Um, I'm just curious how that played out. Yeah, we, we did it fairly early on. I'd have to say it was 2013, so we were about in business for a year. Oh. And when you say team, it was one person who is like, uh, her name's Kate with Revolution House Media. Mm-hmm. And she's like a pit bull on a pant leg. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's like, we have, we have very clear, specific targets of what publications we wanted to be in, how we wanted them to be advertised, and then we wanted them to send traffic to our website to convert. Right. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, brand management campaigns and blah, blah, all the, like the fancy magic frou-frou PR stuff. It was get our products sent to the editors, have them review our stuff, have them talk about it. And, you know, she came up with a deliberate plan. We set goals by month and she hit them. 
and it, it and she has other clients too so it was you know it's not like we're bearing the full burden of a you know super deep ten thousand dollar a month pr team it was a, a really affordable value-oriented service that was it was good for everybody yeah and she probably evaluated like okay based on you have a good story you have a good product i can make this work right so it's like correct you know yeah. sometimes people get into it and if you don't have like a sexy product and a, a good cause-based story it makes it much more difficult um so i guess that's interesting so it was with about a year into it cool well that played out real well for you <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, look. So, so you know, to to speak to Kate, right? She she is one of one of a, a, a few a few people. They're one of maybe a handful of people that along the way, um, you know, early in early in business, you want really crazy, dedicated, you know, hardcore hardcore people on your side, like your set of pit bull on a pant leg, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, she was one of those, and and I, I think it's important. You know, you said you brought you brought on a PR team, right? Um, you know, for us, the relationship that we developed with her, she was she was just you know we we say we have gangsters on our team. Like all of our people are everybody that works with us um, or for us are gangsters. They they go out there and they do what they have to get done. And early in business, um, you know. It, that's very important to have those players in place that would go out there and just absolutely crush it without, you know, in, without you having to stand over them because it's your business and they're exactly. working for you. Right. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to have people like Kate on board with us. Um, you know, we brought her on, we, we said we brought her on about a year into it. Um, in that first year, she actually got us into, she got us a half page in the wall street journal business section. Wow. That's incredible. L I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that might not, you know, it's, it's a half page in the journal, right? But for a company that, that really didn't do anything up until that point, <laughs> it, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was, it was, I, I got to admit that was pretty cool, but. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's great. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things she got us in and seeing as we, we were, you know, we were just, we were running on the story. We had, you know, we were moving some product, not too much product, but I think it was, it was a good look and, and it, it speaks to the quality of, of of person that we had helping us yeah yeah very cool and that's important you know to your point you got to get the right people they got to be hustlers just like you are so all that good stuff um how long was it before you guys started um becoming profitable what month is it <laughs> <laughs> well because i always ask that because you know you might make people might make good money but then you also have to consider how much you're putting back into the business and it, it sometimes you're you're balancing out or so you just don't know i, I spoke to someone who has uh you know they earned 30 million dollars but guess what they broke even you know because they put that much into it mm -hmm. yeah we uh we grew at 450 percent last year um, and that, that was expensive. I mean, it just it was tough. You're double shipping orders on split shipments. You got to make investments in infrastructure and inventory. And it, so we, we broke even last year. Um, and like Elise said, you know, we took all of our learnings from last year. We found out what products we were making our money. It gave us much larger, larger data set to, to forecast. Yeah. Uh, inventory and orders and styles and SKUs. We found out where we were making money, where we weren't. We cut products that were, were losers. We bought more products that were winners. Um, and this year we're profitable month after month. Excellent. Congrats. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so I guess, you know, we're, we're coming up on our 30 minute mark and I just want to re be respectful of your time. So I got just a couple things. Uh, one is, <clears throat> you know, people like to kind of understand, well, 
they're going through experiences, they're, they're struggling, they're failing, making mistakes, we all do it. Um, and they like to know that they're not the only ones. So what, what's the biggest mistake that you guys feel you have made and overcome? Anything that comes to mind? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no. I mean, we, we've made, you know, we've made all the, the classic business mistakes, but I think, um, I think we realized, um, I think it was 2014, I think it was 2014 ish. Um, just our price points were off. Mm, um, interesting. and yeah, our price points were off, but you know, that, that was the good part about being a, a small company is that we're nimble and we were able to pivot. Um, you know, when, when you're a startup and, 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 you you know your small company that is the greatest feeling in the world to be able to stop and turn it turn on a dime um we we recognized an issue we did some research and then um as soon as we adjusted our price points um all of our all of our our e-com web metrics fell um fell in line with kind of industry standards conversion rates you know all that stuff um you know our return on our ad spends everything fell in the line and that was a so, shift up or down uh, it was we shifted down okay yeah I mean sometimes I hear stories people they, they shift up and then people see more value you never know what's the psychology of people <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it, you know, was it was something that we, we realized. And, and, you know, again, we looked at some of our competitors and, and saw, you know, um, products um, of this of, of, you know, the same quality as ours. And, you know, we said we, we need to make this pivot. It's, it's the best thing for us. And, and we just did it. It was literally, it was literally, you know, a, a conversation, and then twenty four hours, and then another conversation, and then all the, everything was was updated on the website and changed, and and from then on, everything was in, you know, was was within an industry standard, uh, you know, conversion metric and return ad spends and all that, you know, all that stuff, but um, <clears throat> I think that was, I think that was, um, I think that was our biggest pivot point. Cool. I, I'll, I'll cool. call it a pivot point. Yeah. 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 No, that's a big one. I've, I've heard people talk about price a lot. I think it's an important consideration. Actually, I think it's an area that people don't put enough thought into usually, and uh, they end up making a pivot um, based on you know market response. Um, you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, so yeah, my like, I was gonna my yeah. mistake was was right along the lines with his, and it was going retail. Um, everybody you know sees these big dollar signs and wants to work with these big chains and everything yeah. else, and. I'll tell you, it's expensive to get there. They want everything from you and they don't want to commit to anything and they won't tell your story like you can tell your story. True. And it forces you to change your price point. Drop your price point, sell direct, fulfill direct. We still pack and ship boxes on our own. Wow. You know, that's where you, that's where you're going to be. So don't don't try to play that huge retail game until you're you know fifty plus million dollars. Wow, really? That's big. Yeah, that's big. Interesting. That's good to know because I think you're right. People get excited about the big retail game, but they don't realize what's really involved behind that. Interesting. Yep. Um, so you guys are impacting, you know, helping kids go to school. Um, and what was the other thing? There's two components to your impact. I just wanted to talk about your current status of impact um, that you can share with people. Uh, where, where is that today? I think for every pair of flip-flops that are any product sold from your site, you put a, someone in school, right? Is that how that works? That's how it works. It's super simple. Yeah. Asses in classes. <laughs> <laughs> how does that work? I mean, but how, what are the, what's the detail behind that real quick? Just so, I mean, you get a product, is there a certain percentage then of each product that is going to contribute towards some kind of like fun to like, what does it cost to put someone in school? It's a, it's about 75 cents a day. That's, uh, to that's put it. To put school. someone in school, 75 cents a day. 
75 cents a day. So, you know, it's, it's a lot more margin on our smaller, higher volume products, and it's a little yeah. bit lower margin on our higher price point products. Mm. But overall, it blends to be about 2% a net. Um, and that's significant for any company. If you're taking 2% off your bottom line and giving it to a, a philanthropic cause, that's a lot. Yeah. But over the course of the past you know, five years, we've put over um, over 300 girls in school for a year. Wow. Uh, you know, we've cleared over 5,000 square meters of landmines. We've funded veteran missions uh, overseas to do clinic and aid work. We've helped fund some Gold Star families. And it's just been a really fun endeavor in doing so. But you know, generally, it's uh, about 2% of net. Very cool. Um, you guys should get, you know, it'd be really cool to see your impact with more transparency because I see it here on your about page. It's to see, like, do you ever go out and visit or see the kids that are being put in school and get pictures with them and stuff like that? Yeah, they send us pictures from, from Afghanistan from all the different schools. So, yeah, you know, nice. every couple of months we'll get photos of the girls saying thank you for combat flip-flops and the signs and girls <laughs> tossing the graduation hats in the air. That is awesome, man. That's a nice legacy that you have there. It's very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So, guys, last but not least, I'd like to ask about travel. Um, if there was one place in the world you would recommend someone should travel because it could be a life-changing experience, where might that be and why? Let's just think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm going to say Alaska. Alaska. Okay. What makes Alaska. you say that? Um, it's just big. It really makes you realize how insignificant you are. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, when you're in a city and you're surrounded by population and people, you actually feel bigger than you are just because of scale. But when you get out into Alaska, whether it's on a mountain or in the water or standing in the middle of the woods, you realize how small you really are and it changes your perspective. I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I can imagine. I had a friend that lived in Alaska for about 10 years and sadly I never made it out there, but um, I hear nothing but amazing stories. So um, I think that's, a, that's one for the bucket list for sure. Um, hey, listen guys, I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you and then all the cool stuff they can find on your website. So if you want to give yourself a shout out, um, you know, whether it's Facebook pages, websites, um, I think now would be a good time. Yeah, you want to find us on the web? We are at combatflipflops.com um, across all social media, me across all social media. We are at Combat Flipflops. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Lee, Griff, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate uh, what you guys are doing and uh, sharing your experiences with us today. Um, if you ever need anything, you know where to reach me, guys. Right on. Cool. Awesome. Have a great day. Yeah, man. You That's too. That's all for thank this you. episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Yeah.